Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan, the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I'm really glad that you joined us today as we wrap up this series called Stories. Um, When I graduated from seminary, uh, my roommate and I, to celebrate, decided that we would go bungee jumping. Now, neither one of us had ever been bungee jumping before, so we like had no idea what to expect. Anyway, so we went to this place over in Dallas that did it, and um, anyway, we get there, and they explained to us that, you know, um, under no circumstances will they like push us off. You have to jump all on your own. And I'm sitting on the I'm sitting on the ground. I'm looking up at this 75 foot tower, and I just go, Psh, no big deal. <sighs> well, anyway, yeah, right. You know where this is going. Um, uh, anyway, so they they give me a harness, and I get a bungee cord. I mean, it's like this thick. I mean, it's a big old sucker. Anyway, I get to the top of the tower, and I peer over, and I had some fear. I realized, this is a big deal. I was like, and and listen, even though I had a harness on, even though I had a huge bungee cord, even though several thousand people had taken this very same leap off this very same tower, even though there's an airbag at the bottom, none of that mattered at that point. As I was looking over, I'm telling you, I was scared. I mean, there is nothing natural about just hurling yourself off a 75-foot tower. In, you know, There's just nothing natural about that. And so, anyway... So, anyway, I got to the edge, and I'm looking over, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I go back, I get to the edge, and I come back, and I get to the edge a third time, and I come back, and finally I just realized, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Um, the best idea for me is just to take a running start and just, just, just leap off this thing. That's, yep, that's the best idea. And you know... That's exactly what I did. I mean, I just took a running start, and I just Superman right off the end of that thing, just like this. And, uh, and it was very scary it, the whole time. I mean, the whole time it was very scary. But it was really fun. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, it was awesome. In fact, it was so awesome, I did it five more times and got my frequent jumper card, okay? <laughs> true story, 100%. Absolutely true. Oh, my gosh, it was so great. Uh, Anyway, listen, do you know what the biggest enemy of faith is? You know what the biggest enemy of faith is? Yeah, it's fear. It's not doubt. It's fear. Because fear always precedes doubt. You know, I have fear that things aren't going to work out okay if I take this leap of faith. And so my heart fills with doubt. I have fear that if I, if I fall through and do what God asks me to do, that this will happen or that this won't happen. And so I have doubt and my heart fills with fear. 
fear precedes doubt. And fear really is the enemy of faith. Um, And I don't know about for everybody in this room, but I wonder how many of us in this room, at one point in time in our lives, God has asked us to take a step of faith or maybe even a leap of faith. You know, maybe God has asked you to change jobs or he's asked you to downsize or he's asked you to give more. Or maybe he's asked you to share your faith with a co-worker. Or maybe a close family friend. Or maybe someone in your family. Or maybe he's asked you to start a Bible study at work. Or to join a small group. Or to lead a small group. Or maybe to, uh, maybe to go into ministry as a career. But whatever it is that God has asked you to do at some point in time in your life. I mean, I wonder how many of us have gotten right to the edge... And our heart's filled with fear. Even though we have every reason to believe that everything's going to be okay. That fear just fills our hearts. And we're tempted to just walk back down. And live that same safe, quiet life that we had lived before. But what if there was a way for us to overcome that fear? I mean, what if there was a way that when we we face those fear and faith moments, what if there was a way to consistently choose faith and not give in to the fear? I mean, can you imagine all that God might want to do in your life because of it? Can you imagine just how much more fun life would be? Can you imagine how much more exciting it would be? Can you imagine how much more God would do through you? And how much more satisfying your relationship with God would be if you consistently took those leaps of faith? I mean, what if you were the kind of person that took so many leaps of faith, you got your frequent jumper card? I'm serious. How awesome would that be? Right? I mean, that would be so amazing. Well, there is one particular story in the Bible about a guy who had very little faith but an awful lot of fear. And in this story, even though he was filled with that fear, he decided to take a leap of faith anyway. And God did something amazing. So, go ahead and pull out your message notes. And listen, let me give you your first fill-in and then we'll get to the story. Okay? Because the question becomes for all of us, how can I have faith in the face of fear? How can I have faith in the face of fear? Well, here's the first thing. First thing is this. Be more concerned about God's glory than yourself. It starts there. You have to be more concerned with God's glory than yourself. I mean, too many times the real reason we have fear is because we're thinking about us, right? And we're thinking about what's going to happen to me. Am I going to be okay? I mean, is my future still going to work out the way I planned? I mean, this isn't what I thought I would do. And so, but I, this is what I really wanted. And I, but I, and so I'm going to retreat and take this little safe route. I mean, we're concerned all about us. And are we going to have enough? Are we going to be safe enough? I mean, is, is everything going to be provided like it needs to be provided? I mean, we're concerned about us. It's all on ourselves. And oftentimes, God wants us to take a leap of faith, not because he's concerned about us, but because he's concerned about how much glory he is going to receive in the process. 
Now, God loves us and he is concerned about us. I'm not saying that we're like not even a factor to consider. But what I'm saying is, a lot of times, God is much more concerned about the glory that he will receive than he is about our own personal comforts. Does that make sense? So let's look at the story. The story is about a guy named Gideon, okay? And he was a judge. Uh, he was a military leader as well as a spiritual leader of Israel. And, you know, you've already probably guessed that, like, he's the guy of the story because, like, that's the title of the sermon today. So, um, but let's read it. His story is found in Judges chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. Um, early in the morning, Jerob Baal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. And I want you to underline this. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Underline that. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength saved her. Announce now to the people. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Okay? Now, I mean, listen, get the facts of the story here. We're just going to pause right here for a second. There's 30,000 people in the Midianite army. There's 32,000 people in the Israelite army. So they're pretty evenly matched. The Israelites might even have a bit of an advantage. So this is a battle that they very well could win. Okay? But look at the part that I had you underline, okay? In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength is saved. Basically, God tells Gideon to say to the guys, okay, anybody who's got some fear, you can turn around and go home. And at that point, 22,000 men went home. Which, by the way, and you were standing there and you actually had no fear, And then you saw two-thirds of the army desert. Like, you're probably going to have some fear at that point, right? Okay, look, here's the story beginning, verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I'll sift them there for you, or sift them for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands with their, lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Okay, now this might be a, a, a tad confusing, so let me tell you what happened. So they had to get down and drink by the water. You know, they didn't have cups because they're out in the battlefield. So anyway, so the, some guys got down on all fours like this and just kneeled down and they lapped the water like a dog. Some men got down. And they cupped the water with their hands and they brought it to their mouth, okay? This whole thing is basically a test because the ones who got down and laughed like a dog, okay, they, they're not looking around, like they're concerned only with themselves or trying to get as much as they can. The ones who cupped their hands, they still have their sword at the ready. So if there was a surprise attack, like, I mean, they're ready. They're not concerned only about themselves, they're concerned about the mission at hand. And there's only 300 of these guys. There's 9,700 of these guys. Now, which group do you hope Gideon is hoping God lets him keep? 
right? Okay. Let's see. (laughs) Verse 7. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save, that's the ones who cupped their hands, and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. All right. Now, if Gideon wasn't scared before, he's at near panic stage right now, right? Okay. Let me, let me tell you, let me give you some perspective of what's going on, okay? Because here's what happened. Um, there were 32,000 Israelites in the army. Okay, let's go ahead and put the dots on the screen. There are actually 32,000 dots on this screen, okay? That's 32,000 dots, okay? After the first wave of desertion, they're left with 10,000 guys. Let's go ahead and pull that down. So they're left with this many, okay? Then after the whole water dog thing, now they're down to 300 dudes. 300. Yeah, that's almost laughable at how like ridiculously small that is. And they're going up against an army of 30,000. Thousand. Let me show you what that looks like, okay? Those little blue guys got to beat all those red guys, okay? See, God was more concerned about getting his glory than he was about anything else. Now, we're going to find out in just a minute that, you know, Gideon's going to be victorious. Yeah, I mean, you probably already guessed that. It's not really much of a story. Otherwise, you're like, and all 300 guys got smoked in the first 10 minutes. Okay, begin. You're like, that's not much of a story, okay? So you probably already know they're going to win, okay? But, but check it out. God's chief concern from the beginning was, you know, if you 32,000 beat these 30,000, you're going to be tempted to think that you did it all and that I'm, you're not going to give me any glory. So that's just too many. Two-thirds of you go home. And then 10,000 against 30,000, well, you know, maybe if you just fought really valiantly, you'd be still tempted to think, that's not enough. But you know what? If 300 put the whip on 30,000, well, now I'm going to get the glory for that. So let's go that route. So what's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is this, is that when you and I, we, if we, when we face overwhelming odds we are in just the right place for god to get the most glory through an overwhelming victory against overwhelming odds because remember god's not concerned about like are you comfortable are you okay with all this i mean is this going to be okay for you because really i'm very concerned about you and make sure that you're okay because i mean if you're not okay well then i mean not no God is much more concerned about his glory than he is about our own personal comfort. And so we have to be willing to say, okay, God, I am filled with fear, but it doesn't matter. I'm willing to trust you. Here goes. Now, the only caveat caveat I would say to this is, is before you do that, Make sure that you know for sure exactly what God has called you to do. I mean, don't, don't haul off and do something and pray, you know, in midair. God, hope that works out, Lord. Please make it okay. Like, that's unwise, okay? I, no, I, I really am serious. Make sure that God's asked you to take that leap of faith. But if he is, 
even against overwhelming odds, do it. Because look, he has a plan to make it work out. You just don't know it. Gideon didn't know it. But there was a plan. But there's a second thing that Gideon had to do and that we have to do, and that's this. Number two, act on faith, even if you feel some fear. You've got to act on faith, even if you feel some fear. Look, God gave those who were, remember, he gave those who were afraid a chance to go home. Now, of those 10,000 that stayed, do you think some of them still had some fear, but they just said, you know what, even if I have some fear, I'm going to just gut it out, probably. Of the, after, of the 300 that were finally left, how many of them do you think thought this whole thing's a suicide mission? Probably all of them. I, I don't know. Maybe none of them. I mean, we don't know. But what we do know for sure is that Gideon had some fear. Look what the Bible says. Verse 8, second half of verse 8. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. He's basically saying, let's go to war. Verse 10, underline these first four words. If you are afraid, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. Why? Because they were scared. That, he said, God said, if you're afraid, go down. He's like, oh, I'm going. Because he was scared. I understand it. I, I get that. Verse 12. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples that settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling his friend in a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Look, our Heavenly Father understood Gideon's fear. I mean, nowhere in this story does God condemn Gideon for having fear. God doesn't condemn him for having fear. But look, even in the face of fear, Gideon still had to act. Even after he heard the interpretation of the dream, Gideon still had to act. It just didn't happen. He had to go and do his part. He had to step out and do it. That's the point of this story. That's a big part of this. Look, and your Heavenly Father knows that even after he's asked you to do something, and even after you have some fear, you still have to act. Even in the face of fear, despite your feelings, you have to still take that step of faith. Look, God doesn't condemn you and I for having fear. Nowhere in the Bible does it condemn us for having fear. The problem comes when we act on our fear and not on our faith. Make sense? Look, I mean, think about this. If God asks you to do something and the odds are overwhelmingly in your favor, is that 
is that a leap of faith? I mean, not really. I mean, the odds are in your favor. I mean, what, where's the faith that it takes to get involved with that? It's actually only a leap of faith when the old odds are overwhelmingly not in your favor. And when the odds are overwhelmingly not in your favor, there tends to be some fear involved. And so whenever you take a step of faith or a leap of faith, there's probably always going to be some fear. But you have to do what Gideon did. You have to act on your faith and not your fear. Does that make sense? Okay. Because when we do, then we get to do number three. Number three is this. We get to watch God do what only God can do. We get to watch God do what only God can do. This is the most amazing part of the story, I think. Because look, Gideon and the guys, they took a bunch of jars just like this into battle. Okay? Check it out. Look look what happens. Unbelievable. Verse 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets, trumpets and empty jars, just like this, in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Okay? Verse 19. God and the, I mean, sorry, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just after they had changed their guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Just like that. It probably startled the Midians too. And that, and that was the point. That was their battle strategy. Because look, what ha- check it out, unbelievable, verse 20. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding their right hands so with the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, they just stood there. All the Midianites ran, crying as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. And the Midianites, you read, ended up killing themselves in the confusion. I mean, are you seeing what happened? Check it out. The 300 guys never even drew their swords. All they did was break their wives' pottery. Okay? <laughs> I mean, that, seriously, basically, that, that's what happened. The Lord caused them to be confused in the middle of the night and so startled, they got up. They thought war was all around them, so they just started fighting whoever was closest. And they decimated themselves. Um, God's plan is amazing. Look, here's the deal. When you and I take a leap of faith when we're more, because we're more concerned about God's glory than our own personal comfort, when we choose to act on our faith and not on our fear, it's then that we get to watch God do something that only God can do. And it's amazing to watch him at work. Because who gets all the glory? He does. You know, when Parkway Fellowship began, our church began with 30 adults. 30. Okay? I don't know if you know much about church, so I'm going to tell you. Um, in, like, church world, of, yeah, in church world, um, of a hundred churches that start, five years later, 
93 of them have closed. Only 7 out of 100 churches ever make it past 5 years. Pretty, pretty amazing. And so Parkway Fellowship is now just right about 9 years old. And so, yeah, okay, awesome. I have an excited person here. So Parkway Fellowship is about 9 years old. And when we first started the church back in 2003, um, those 30 adults, when we started the church, I mean, there was a lot of faith, but there was some fear as well. Now, I tell the full story of Parkway Fellowship's beginning in our membership class, Class 101, so if you haven't taken it yet, you need to, and that's my little shameless commercial for taking Class 101, so you you need to take it. But look, here's the thing. Um, Of those 30 adults, I mean, we just just took a step of faith, and we we started Parkway Fellowship because we wanted God to reach our city, especially people who've never been to church don't like church, or don't know Christ. And of those hundred churches that are there, seven of them make it and are still around in five years. Of those seven, only one of those seven will ever make it above 200 people. Only one. And of those one, only one out of ten of those will ever make it above 500 people. Ever. Parkway Fellowship is way over 500 people. So literally, this church is one in a thousand. Literally. It really is, statistically speaking. It's amazing. And it's all, and it all started with the 30 people who decided to take a leap of faith and trust God. Say, God, we're, we have some fear mixed in with all this, but we're going to trust you anyway. And we want to watch you do what only you can do. So for your glory, do it. And every person that is a member of this church, you have basically said the very same thing. Okay, God, I'm joining this church, and I I don't know all of what you want to do in me or through me, but I want you to do it for your glory. Because every person that has ever been changed by this church, the people that are being changed by this church, and every person that will be changed by this church is being changed, not technically by the church, but they're being changed by the Lord for His glory because of your faith in Him. By taking that step of faith, by being here and saying, okay, God, use me. And so for that, I thank you. And I also want to tell you, take that same posture with every other place in life that God asks you to take a step of faith and watch Him do something amazing. So if you're ready to take some leaps of faith, I want you to do this. I want you to pull out your connection card and I want you to go ahead and make some commitments this morning. Hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to check on the notes because you're going to keep those. But I also want you to check on the card what you're going to do because you're going to turn this in. And we are going to pray for you. Our staff will pray for you by name tomorrow if you turn in a card. So turn one in. Here's the first one. When I take a leap of faith, I will be more concerned about God's glory than my own comfort. Would you make that your posture? Not like, oh God, please make it okay for me and me, 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 me. No, no, no. Change your prayer to saying, okay, God, 
I want to make sure that you get all the glory. God, that this is all about you. That's all about your message. It's all about your name. It's all about people finding you. It's all about people knowing you. It's all about people looking at you and going, wow, God, you are so great. Because that's the result of this story. And it's the result of what God wants to do with the story of your life as well. Would you check that box? Number two. When the Lord is asking me to take a leap of faith, I commit to act on my faith even if I feel fear. And I can almost promise you, you will. You will feel that fear, but act anyway. Number three, sign me up for Parkway Fellowship's member class on Sunday afternoon, June 24th. Hey, if you've never taken that class, maybe it's because you're like, well, I'm scared about joining a church, or I just don't do church, or I don't want to be committed to a church. Oh, that's ridiculous. Come on. Seriously, get past all that. That's just, all that is, is like little cultural fears that justifications you've let take place in your heart. Just put all that aside. Say, God, you're doing something great here. Count me in. I want to be a part. Sign up to be part of that class. Next one. Sign me up for a small group this summer. We have already over a thousand people signed up for small groups. Yeah. They start this week. Okay. If you're, now is the time to get signed up. There's already a bunch of groups that are closed. But listen, there's still plenty of great groups available. Write the code. There's a catalog there in your got bulletin guide, whatever you call that, whatever the thing is called, I forget. But um, write that code there. Write that code down, and you'll be you'll be signed up starting today, and you can go this week. Number next, sign my teenager up for a small group this summer. You need to write your teenager's name as well as the code for the youth small group, and it's all in the catalog. Write that there. Or about this last one. I want to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. You know, maybe you've never actually become a Christian or become, become a Christ follower. Maybe you've never become a Christ follower just because you've had some fear. Look, have the faith to, say, to pray a very simple prayer. I think the prayer can be just as simple. Jesus, forgive me for everything. I pledge to follow you. If you can pray that prayer and mean it, you can be changed. You can become, that, that's a prayer to become a Christ follower, basically. Jesus, forgive me for everything. I pledge to follow you. If you've never prayed a prayer that somehow gets to that end, you're not a Christ follower yet, but you could become one. Check this box. On your, and Because I want to mail you some free stuff to help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table as you walk outside of each of these doors. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for Gideon and his faith. And Lord, I pray for the person in this room that has been struggling with a decision that they felt like maybe you want them to do, but oh my goodness, the fear has just made it so confusing and so paralyzing. That God, that you would let them say this morning that they're more concerned about your glory than their comfort or their future. And that they would choose to act on their faith in spite of their fear. And Lord, that you would do something amazing. And they just sit back and watch, not even having to draw a sword. So Father, I ask that you would help all of us have that kind of just posture, me included. And I pray that you would do that, Lord. In each one of us, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. 
Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282. 